Hello and welcome back to chapter 9. I hope that you are reading, that you're continuing on. And congratulations if you are this listening to this. If you have been reading, then you are one quarter of the way through, at least once this episode is over. One quarter of the way through. That's awesome. We're getting somewhere, aren't we? Of course, we know it doesn't end here. which continues each day. We live our lives to the glory of the Lord and we see his blessings and are filled with his joy. Oh, but man, this has been fun. And I got to tell you, this is some some thick stuff here. Chapter 8 and chapter 9 especially. Wow. It's one of those things where when you read it, you could probably write four or five sermons easy. Um, And that's true for chapter 8. And no, I promise you I'm not going to preach eight different sermons. But what I'm trying to do, I am going to do my best just to really summarize uh, some key points uh, for those verses and really maybe try to find the theme uh, for both of them. And I think we can definitely do that. Uh, for chapter 8, then, as we get rolling, get started, there's this emphasis, there's this focus on really a couple of different things. Uh, one, the Word of God. That's how the chapter begins. The focus is all about the Word and how important the Word of God is. There's, there's nothing that's more important than that. In fact, we, we find that. But I don't want to pass up one little tidbit of information. Uh, chapter 8 gives us a little bit of insight as to some of the things that are happening. Demons are being cast out. Healings are taking place. The evil spirits have, have no authority over Jesus. But we also see that some women have joined the group. Now, for us, when we hear this, that might not mean much. But you got to remember, uh, back in this day, it was not common, not really, for uh, women to... Uh, be at the feet of a rabbi, following a rabbi around. That was typically done by the males. So what we're finding is that Jesus certainly is welcoming these women into the fold, right? So nobody is left out. Uh, the Jews, they're in. The, the Gentiles are in. The, the women are in. All people are in. Of course, if they're rejecting Jesus and his word, they're not going to be in. But there's not going to be a cultural line. It's not like Jesus is looking at certain people and saying, yep, your people aren't in. Or the people over here, nope, you, you're out. Uh, If you hear his word, you're in, right? If if it takes root. And that's what we're going to see in some of these parables and some of the conversation uh, that's going to be taking place. Uh, The word is powerful because when the word of God is present, the evil one has to flee uh, when it takes root. When it takes root. That's kind of the key here. So, What's the word going to do? Well, Jesus goes into this parable, this parable of the sower. And it's one that I'm sure you've heard before. Uh, It's told a little bit differently based upon the Gospels, but they all are pretty much uh, saying the same thing. Uh, But here in chapter 8, it goes a little something like this. Uh, The sower goes out and he sows his seed, right? He just throws seed everywhere. He's reckless with the seed. And I, I think that's pretty important. Because isn't that how God is with his grace? I mean, he is reckless. He doesn't just bless certain people. He blesses everybody. He blesses those who are children of God. He blesses those who who know him and fear his name. And he even blesses those people who don't know him or don't call upon him or maybe even reject him. He gives all people good gifts. And for some people, though, when he throws out the seed, it's going to take root. But for others, it might not. Some seed, it's on the the path where people walk. It's trampled and it's not going to grow. In fact, the birds will devour it. 
Others will be in rocky spots, so it'll wither. It won't have the, the kind of root it needs. It's not going to get the watering that it needs. That, that word, that root needs to be watered. It's not a one-time thing. Some it goes amongst the thorns, and it gets choked out. There's no room for it to grow. You can't have the good and the bad and feed both of those things at once. You, you can't do that. That's important for us to hear, isn't it? It's difficult. And then he says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Know what this means. Of course, some won't know what this means. That's why the uh, disciples are going to have to come to Jesus and ask him, what's this all about? Why are you sharing these words? What, what does this mean? So Jesus gives them a little bit of an explanation. He says the seed, of course, is the word of God. And as I just read and as you just read, so I won't go into the details, he gives the various reasonings for why they don't grow. Uh, some receive it, but it's not well-rooted. And on others, uh, the devil comes and, and wipes it away. They're not mature enough to receive it. But the good soil are those who hear the word, hold fast and honest and good heart, and bear fruit with patience. So the key to all this is hearing the word of God, being in the word of God. Because then Jesus is going to give a couple of examples of how important that word is. He compares it to a lamp. He said no one covers a lamp. Uh, no one puts a jar over it. You let it shine, right? He says, then take care how you hear. For to the one who has, more will be given. And to the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Hear the word. But listen to this next. So this one's more of a shocker where Jesus' mother and his brothers come. And someone tells Jesus this while he's teaching. He says, your mother and brothers are standing outside. Go see you. But then he answers. He says, no, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. Those are the ones who's part of the family. Now, is Jesus saying that Mary isn't his mother? No, but he's emphasizing the importance of the word. The word is what draws us together as family, but it's the word of God that we are surrounding ourselves with. It's the word of God. Now, with the word of God being present, what do we have to be afraid of? What do we have to fear? And then Luke's going to show us that really there's nothing that we need to be afraid of. There's nothing that we need to fear. Because when the word of God is present, that's where the power is. There is power in the word. And it's not just one particular item. He gives us a variety of things, a variety of stories and circumstances of uh, creation, trying to overcome the disciples as well as a demon. And then you have the story of sicknesses, uh, with both this woman who's bleeding and Jairus' daughter. In all of these circumstances, there is no one, nothing, that is going to have power over Jesus. His word is going to conquer all. And hopefully, that in itself is something that speaks to you, because I know it does to me. And knowing full well that in all circumstances, whatever it is that I might be afraid of, whatever it is that I'm anxious about, his word conquers all. Now, that doesn't mean that life is always going to work out the way that I want it to. But what it means is, if life doesn't work out the way that I want it to, I can cling to his word. I can trust in his word. And the outcome is going to be fine. It might not be what I want, but he's going to be present. His word is present. His word is what carries us. His word is what we have. And that's what we're going to hold on to. Now, for starters, Jesus calms the storm, right? Great story, classic story, and appears in other Gospels too. 
where they go across to the other side of the lake. That's what their uh, their hope is. But in the midst of going across the lake, there's this storm that's brewing that Jesus apparently is sleeping through. You ever had a problem where it seems like Jesus is sleeping through your problem? Yeah, me too, right? But I won't go into depths with that. There's just not enough time. It seems like Jesus is sleeping on the job. They wake him up and what does he say? He just says the word. Just like that, the wind calms down. All he has to do is just say the word. He rebukes the wind. They have to listen. The wind has to listen to Jesus' word. And that's where he says, where is your faith? And what follows marvels, that uh, I find marveling because, well, it says the word marvel. But it says they were afraid and they marveled. Saying to one another, who then is this that he commands even the winds and the water and they obey him? Well, this is simple. <laughs> he is the word in the flesh. Isn't that what John says? He is the word of God, the word of God that spoke creation into existence at his word, of course, is able to calm the storm. They're wondering who this is. And of course, we, the reader, are supposed to be thinking the same thing. Can really this this individual calm the storm with just his word? And the answer is yes. So we know that he's more than just a man. He's the divine. But the chapter continues. They finally get uh, to uh, opposite of where they were, opposite of Galilee, and they see another demon possession. But this is no normal demon possession. There's an individual here uh, who's uh, possessed in such a way that he's able to break from the chains and the shackles. Uh, this man is seized at such a point that he has tremendous power because of these demons. Jesus asks for the name of the man, and the man isn't able to speak. The demons speak, and they say that they are legion, for they are many demons. So we're talking nightmare scenario, right? This isn't just a demon. This is a multiple amounts of demons, a legion of demons. Jesus is taking on an army of demons, and what's going to happen when he takes on an army of demons? Let me stop right there. Sometimes it seems like there's an army of demons on us, doesn't it? That's what's crazy. An army of demons, they don't have power over Jesus. He doesn't have to struggle. He doesn't have to wrestle with the man. Isn't this amazing? He doesn't have to say a bunch of words over and over and over again. He's not sitting there wrestling with his demon for hours and hours upon end. It's not like this epic battle. It doesn't appear like that in Luke's gospel. Not at all. In fact, Jesus really doesn't have to say much or do much. You have this picture of, of a legion of demons, like the worst picture ever. Imagine all these monsters, so to speak, these demons prowling you. But yet when they see Jesus, <laughs> they ask, don't destroy us, but send us into the pigs. This is what I love about it. What does Luke say? He gives them permission to do so. So you have this legion of demons, yet they can't do anything without the permission of Jesus. So they rush into the pigs and those drowned. There's nowhere for them to go. 
I mean, this is absolutely crazy. Not crazy. This is wonderful. This is marvelous. Jesus doesn't just have power. It's not that he's just strong enough. But in his mere presence, the demons can't do anything, no matter their number. But some of these onlookers who don't know the word or who in faith haven't believed the word, they're ceased with fear. But they don't have the same kind of marvel as the disciples do, which, of course, we know the word is taking root there. But for these individuals, they get scared. So they beg Jesus to leave. Isn't this crazy? Lord, please, they beg for Jesus to depart from them because they're that scared. Oh, does it make you wonder what marvelous deeds he could have done there and in their lives? But they're going to miss it because they send him away. And Jesus, he goes along with it. Okay. He leaves. Now, the man, of course, begs to come along. But Jesus says, no, return to your home. And declare how much God has done for you. He could have gone with Jesus. Great testimony to back Jesus up, right? Look, he healed me. If you don't believe, listen to my story. But let's be honest. But Jesus' word, that's all Jesus needs. But Jesus needs this man's testimony somewhere else. He can start the momentum there. Spreading what God has done for him wherever he's going to go. They can't all be in one place, but Jesus can move them around so that his name could be heard elsewhere. Oh, whew, I know we don't have time, but what has God done for you? What's your story? I know it's something, right? Whether it's a healing, miracle, just the forgiveness for the life that we've lived. You have a story. I have a story. We too can go home to work, to wherever, and say what the Lord has done for us. Oh, what a challenge for us today. But we got to move on. I'm already too long. I know. Sorry, sorry. I'm going to go. I'm going to go. Uh, Jesus returns. There's a crowd waiting for him. A man named Jairus approaches him, who's more like a, a leader of the synagogue. He's a lay leader. Really is a good way of looking at him. He's not, um, he's not a Pharisee or a chief priest. But he comes before Jesus because he has a daughter who's, who's dying. He's, he's sick. And on the way to see him, or see her, I should say, uh, Jesus feels this power leave him. It's kind of interesting, right? We don't see him talk like this anywhere else. But the group is, is, is kind of touching Jesus. They're reaching for him. And, but Jesus says he feels this power leave him. Because why? See, here's this faith, right? This woman, she, she just believes. If she can get close to Jesus, if she can touch Jesus, that's enough. That's all that matters, this woman who's been bleeding for a long time. And of course, after it happens, she's, she's afraid. She's scared. Why? Well, this woman did something that really, customarily speaking, isn't good. Not just because she's touching Jesus or touching a man or, or someone that you know, she's not family with, but she's bleeding. She's not clean. Anybody that she touches or, or is around, she's making them ceremonially unclean and they're going to have to go through the rituals. They can't go through the temple and, and everything else. So she's risking something here, risking other individuals that she might touch, but she has faith. She has faith in Jesus. She trusts in Jesus. And it works well for her. 
She's healed. In fact, Jesus says that. Your daughter, your, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. And then Jesus moves on to the thing that we would all fear the most. As I said in our text yesterday, this man's daughter dies. I, I can't even fathom that. But as they're weeping and mourning, Jesus shows up. I mean, this is crazy, right? Because Jairus came to her. He, he gets stopped by the crowd and other people wanting healings. And if I'm Jairus, I'd be so upset. I'd be irate. You all stopped him from healing my daughter. She died and you were bothering Jesus for these piddly things. That just shows nothing's too late for Jesus. I mean, I think we're supposed to see this impossible kind of situation. It's one thing to heal somebody. But this is the second time now that we've seen somebody that's actually dead. They've stopped breathing. All the witnesses are there. They laugh at Jesus when he says, no, she's fine. No, she's been dead. Child rise. It's two words. Her spirit is returned. And she gets up. And the people don't ask Jesus to leave. But they're amazed. Oh, Man, I wish we had more time. I'm sorry. But we see what happens, though. The word takes root. And Jesus does amazing things. And when the word takes root, there's nothing to fear. So, friends, stay in the word. It's taking root. And then watch and be amazed at what Jesus does. Oh, I'll see you all tomorrow, okay? We are going to be in Luke chapter 9. I can't wait. Another good chapter. We'll see you then.